weird Instagram started funny today. All right, I am getting on this bike, but I am not going to promise that I'm gonna huff and puff today or go super hard. I am on day four, halfway through, almost halfway through day, is it day four? Yeah, almost halfway through day four of a fast. So um, my energy levels are a little low. My body, it feels a little like, like lethargic, like and so much more, um, like let's go. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to feel a little somber today in my share, but I have something really incredible that the Lord revealed to me this morning and, um, through a story actually that my friend Keith Calloway told me when he was here visiting, uh, about a shepherd and a sheep. And you might've heard this before. Um, but I want to explain it out the gate. <laughs> We're going to talk about a gate today and the shepherd being a part of it, but I want to explain it out the gate today so that those who are interested will stay along for the journey of explanation on who I am on Facebook, Kelly. I am. I'm not sure why you're not seeing me over there, but I see myself live over there, so hopefully you can find me. I don't know why. Anyway, um, this story is going to parallel to what I'm reading in the Old Testament about David and what I'm reading in the New Testament in the book of John. And it was like one of those like, whoa, I never knew that. So you guys know that David was like honorable. He was a man of God. He was after God's own heart. Um, he was one of the like closest known by the Lord, uh, had an intimate kinship and friendship with him. And last Tuesday, I spoke all about friendship, not associated to David, but well, David and Jonathan, who, um, are in this, that fight together against this father and the King Saul. And anyway, there was so much explanation in John about John 10 specifically, Jesus being a good shepherd. And it immediately made me think about David, who was a shepherd, and how frequently majority of shepherds would flee from their flock if they were in danger. And they would allow their flock to get, quote unquote, killed or slaughtered. Um, maybe it's wolves that are coming in. Uh, as we know for David, it was lions and bears that he fought. And that training and what happened, well, David would risk his life for his sheep, just as Christ gave his life for us as his sheep. And it was just like one of those like quick revelations. But if you've never heard this story about how shepherds actually stewarded their sheep, and if the one went astray, what would happen? They would actually have to break the sheep's legs against their desire. They did not want to do this. They loved their sheep. Um, and they were like their own babies, their flock, and put that sheep over top of its neck. And in the healing process, he, the shepherd, would speak to the sheep, speak to the sheep, and the sheep would have this connection point to the voice of his shepherd that could never go away. And if you know anything about sheep and shepherds, you can actually name a sheep just like you name a dog and they'll respond. You can have like a specific call and the sheep will come to you. So they're fairly smart animals. And I'm excited about the fact that we are God's sheep. I have been broken around his neck 
And in that season of brokenness was the season that I learned to hear my shepherd's voice. After that happens, ultimately that shepherd who has gone astray generally can be the leader of the flock. This is why someone who is going through a dark trial or a season of um, just friction and those who turn to the Lord, generally because the Lord has them over his shoulders at that point, who they're hearing his voice, the master is speaking identity, speaking life, speaking direction to that child or that sheep. This is how you see a catapult of quote unquote baby Christians into their ultimate mission, vision, purpose, because they've spent dedicated time in their brokenness with Christ. So good. So I want to explain, this is John 10, 1 through 21. And some of the things that I highlighted was, first off, knowing that there is a gate. I mentioned this. So it talks about the variable of those going over the fence to get into the area rather than those going through the gate. So you can know a shepherd versus a thief or a robber uh, based on their entry point. And we know that the Lord refers to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And he talks about himself being a narrow gate, a narrow gate to heaven. And so the gate really matters. It's this understanding that we cannot jump the gates We cannot jump the fences to try and gain access into Christ's body, okay? Think of us as the sheep. Think of us as the body of Christ. There are a lot of people who are going to come in, wolf in sheep's clothing. This is what this means. And they're going to come in and they're going to try and distract and taint and destroy what is happening in the body of Christ. I don't know if you can raise your hand to this. You might know some wolves in sheep's clothing, but... In the time that Jesus walked and was sharing this parable, he's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who gained their recognition based on the ambition. And ambition's not always bad. I'm going to be at the Embrace Your Ambition Conference here in Denver, Colorado in just a couple weeks. And there's surely incredible scripture connected to ambition. But just like money, ambition cannot trump Christ. Nothing we know, nothing can trump God. And so just talking through this understanding of who has jumped the fence in your life. Who have you allowed to sneak in and come in through the side door rather than the front door? Okay, we know that we only allow people into the side door of our home that we know, we trust, they're welcome. But people who come into the side door that you've never met before, that you've never experienced for a longevity of time. Y'all, I'm thinking of some things right now. (laughs) My own, my own story, my own testimony is so indicative of this, which is why when we read the word, the Lord will reveal the times in our life where we've allowed people to just jump the fence and be a part of our salvation story. And they're not welcome there. They haven't gone through the gate. They have to meet the shepherd before they can integrate into the flock. Does this make sense? I hope this is making sense to you guys. All right, so we talked about the gate, the gate being critical, where are people entering? Another one is the truth telling connected to how the shepherd speaks. So a thief's purpose is to steal, 
kill, and destroy. And it says, my purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. And so many of us are like, yes, give me that rich life, right? There is a uh, song that I remember being introduced to when I was on a cruise when I was 16 years old by some Canadian boys. And it was a uh, lifestyle of the rich and the famous. And I remember linking onto that song. I loved the tune. I loved the idea. I'm like, yeah, we all want that. Plus we're on a cruise. Kind of felt like we were living that lifestyle. Those boys were up to no good. <laughs> that song was an ideation of a lifestyle that is not connected to Christ. And we see this in Hollywood. We see this on the magazines. When I was in Dominican Republic recently, I was interacting with our translator, who's such a doll. She actually grew up in the orphanage. She was brought there when she was about five. She's now 21 and goes and gives her time and energy and love and to these babies there. It's like a huge family. It was like 42 of them living in one household. Wild and beautiful at the same time because they know Jesus and they worship together and they're raising one another. It's pretty, pretty nuts. Anyway, she was talking about America and what her perspective of America was. And ultimately, she had a Kim Kardashian understanding of America. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, that's so, that's not, that's not, like, real. That's not, that's not everyone, right? That's not the, that's not the mass sheep that are, are for the Lord. We need to redirect. We need to bring you back. We need to break your legs, have you alongside someone who is an actual shepherd. Now, there are shepherds um, that are stewarding flocks today. There are pastors and ministry leaders and mamas and dadas. And we're, we're the shepherd of our sheep. And we have to know our sheep, right? And know their names. One of the cool things about the sheep and knowing their names is the father, specifically Jesus, called several sheep in the Bible by their name. Now we know he called out identity always. Woman, he would say to the woman at the well. He didn't say her name because he was just calling her into her identity, her femininity, her, her strength as a woman, rather than being the tail that she was the head. She was an azer. She was a helpmate, right? She was all of these. She was a warrior. And yet Mary, he called by name. Peter, he called by name. Philip, he called by name. And I'm missing one more. He called these people by name and it shifted them drastically away from a flock that had taken them down a dark space. And there are, I think, a multitude more flocks that are going to and fro and don't have a good shepherd. This is why people need Jesus. Their eyes are not opened. They cannot hear. It says this in Psalm 115. It says, why let the nation say, where is God? Our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold, rich and famous, shaped by human hands. They're all external pieces. They have mouths, but cannot speak eyes, but cannot see ears, but cannot hear and noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel and feet, but cannot walk and their throats but cannot make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them, as all are who trust in them. So they have flocks, 
You know they have fans, they have followers, they have communities. But understanding that we are also going to become shepherds, we're going to be the leader in the flock of the good shepherd, and there are going to be people who will come in to said flock through the gate, depending on if you are showing them the gate or not. Or are you saying, just jump over here, it's great. People can't assume Christianity without the gate. People can't assume, oh, I believe in God without Jesus. And there are a ton of, how do I want to say this, Lord? There are a ton of, I'll just say religions. That's fair. A ton of religions out there that skirt around the gate. And they're taking people, hopping people over the fence towards heaven. And it saddens me. I'm not going to call out any specific religions. Um, but you could imagine people who follow God, who even mention Jesus, but they've never met him. They've never met him. And so I wonder, and this is truly just me wondering, I'll have to go to the Lord on this one. If a sheep who has jumped the fence, a wolf in sheep's clothing, a thief, a robber, someone who wants the experience of the contentment that Christ alone can bring, the wealthy, satisfying, rich life of Christ that is so different than the ways of the world because it's an internal and an eternal gift because it well springs up from the inside because we have internal and eternal thirst satisfied bread of life food satisfied can you tell him i'm processing my fast right now i'm like i'm i've already got the satisfaction that i need he's already given us more than enough but i wonder for those sheep if they're in that pack long enough and we are as bold and attuned and obedient because sheep have to be obedient to their shepherd and 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 sanctified which can be a big word but will they eventually meet the shepherd because i guess i imagine they'd be the prodigal sheep they'd be the one who is not smart enough because they don't know the good shepherd's voice to to go astray and in there going astray boom <laughs> the shepherd's gonna break their legs but he's gonna put them on her neck his neck for four months. I think of people who try to get a quick fix. They try to get a quick response. Yesterday I was talking about Jesus connected to business and how a lot of people put Jesus as the janitor. And they're like, hey, clean this up. Hey, I made a mistake. Hey, that didn't go as planned. Can you fix that? Can you unlock this door? Can you shut that door real tight? Hey, do you have this key? Janitors are amazing. 100% necessary. But if you're not allowing Jesus to operate as your CEO, as the good shepherd to where you're meant to go, you're superseding the system. You know kingdom, the kingdom culture has an order. It does. Jesus loves order. God loves order. He created each thing in order in Genesis 1. 
He breathed you into life with intention. He gave you a safe, beautiful, abundant dwelling place. He couldn't have made you first. There would have been no darkness and light. There would have been no ground to walk on. There would have been no ocean and nothing would have existed. Air, atmosphere wouldn't have existed. There's an order and we have to follow the order. The hierarchy of heaven has to exist in our life. So I mentioned the gate. I mentioned the thieves, the ones coming in over the gate. I think ultimately our role is to not let those thieves, those other sheep be distractions, but instead we steward them, steward them. I hear what you're saying, but my shepherd says, I see what you're doing, but my shepherd says, because if we allow that to happen, we too are going to go astray. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be you at all. I love that it talks about this parallel between, I mentioned David and Jesus. David came and set the example of what he was going to do for his people. And if you go back, which is where kind of the connection points are that I was making this morning in 1 Samuel 22. And this is all coming, by the way, from the Bible in a year. I know you guys have seen me share this all year because it's where my studies are coming from in addition to some others. But it's been really profound for me, and I've never looked at the order this way from Old Testament to New Testament, um, other than through the book of Seamless by Angie Smith, which I highly, highly recommend. If you ever have like overwhelm at the Bible or you don't really understand the full story, what's happening Old to New Testament, it is so simplistic, it's humorous, it's super sweet, it's awesome. We've done it a couple times as a group here. Janice will lead it. Um, So hopefully we can pop one of those up again. But speaking to David, David, um, in his essentially exile, it wasn't an exile, but he was running from King Saul. He fled to strongholds. He's fled to the rocks and the hills of countries. Um, The author of Seamless, her name is Angie Smith. And then... The one-year Bible, the New Living Translation, obviously it's the authors. I could go through all the lists, but yeah, this is the Tyndale House Publishers one, NLT translation. Just answering in some questions over here. I see you guys hanging out with me. Thank you. Love you. Sorry I'm going a little slower today in my pace, but uh, I'm working through it. God is good. So when David flees, he creates a flock. This is good. He's under the covering of the Lord. And so the Lord brings him more sheep to be in community with. But he is also the shepherd of said sheep. And because he's a shepherd, he knows the good shepherd. And he listens and he asks and he hopes from God and God alone. In a place of what could be very fearful. And he was always on the move, always running from King Saul. His He had a death sentence over top of his name. But one thing I thought was really interesting, and I had never paid attention to it before, when David fled to escape to the cave, it says, the very next line, soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. And then others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who had just discontented. 
This is good. First off, his family fled with him and to him, came to his side. That says so much about who David is and how he stewarded all the relationships of his brother and his father, Jesse, during the time of being in the king's courts, being at his right hand. Because unlike Joseph, whose brothers had resentment towards him and, and only came to him not knowing it was him, right? He, they came out of desperation. His family chose to be with him. I love this and it speaks to my soul and my desire for my family to be alongside me in this mission. And a lot of people say like, don't hire your family and friends. Don't do it. But I can't (laughs) like literally everything inside of me. When I come to the Lord, he's like, I positioned you here so you could position them here and seeing family come to the Lord, right? Wow, these guys who are honestly running from trouble, they're running away from something. They likely aren't the best people. Their families and friends probably don't like them. But David made a sanctuary in those rocks. He made a sanctuary and he became their shepherd. And they got to see through David's actions how he spoke to the Lord, how he was attuned and only stepped in time to what Jesus said, what God said, right? And so I just think we have an opportunity, ultimately. We have an opportunity as we're developing communities as leaders, as missions leaders, as ministry leaders, as entrepreneurs, as intrapreneurs. We're constantly gathering people. Are you creating an open door opportunity That people are meeting Jesus when they're coming through your gate. That's your responsibility. That's our responsibility. It's also a gift, right? It's such a gift. One thing I noticed through this whole time was talking about David's faithfulness, obviously. Um, But he did something really unique, which I don't think a lot of people pick up on in prayer. Now, we probably do this all the time, but to see David do it, I'm like, oh. This is good. In this fast, I've been circling. As a Jer- it's a Jericho fast, so every day I'm circling these structures, these strongholds that have been created in other people and friends and family and systems in my life, all of those things. And I've been circling them big for sure. I'm like, want to see things shift in the atmosphere. I want to see people healed in Jesus' name. Oh man, I want to see and I want to understand the next step and the clarity and the peace of what it is that Christ is calling me into. But I don't know if I've been good enough at asking specific questions. This is what David said. He said, Oh God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Kalil because of I am here. Will the leaders of Kalal betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? Oh Lord, God of Israel, please tell me. Wow. Those are like, hey God, let me know if somebody's going to call me in a minute. (laughs) Like, those are like real detailed prayers. I don't know how detailed you get with God. I'm not sure. when When I pray about healing, super detailed. A sickness, super detailed. My business, 
pretty detailed, but will you just tell me, God? Just please tell me. Not give me peace, Lord, so I can know if this is right. Not give me a sign, God. Just tell me. Could you just tell me? The Lord said he will come. So he only actually answered one question. And then again, David asked the second time, will the leaders of Kalal betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, yes, they will betray you. So he didn't have to ask God, should we leave? He didn't have to ask God, am I going to die? He didn't have to ask God, should I go now? Should I leave? Because that might happen. The next plan of action was completely clear based on his very definitive questions. So I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge us because I feel like the good shepherd's response is always going to be in step to truth, love, and protection. Are we going to ask questions for our understanding of our next step? Are we going to do it without pleading? He said, please tell me, O Lord. But are we going to do it without pleading that doesn't have a response to action? God knows your heart. We've been talking even this week on Tuesday Morning Testimonies with Marcus Ellis. That's on Clubhouse. You guys are always welcome to all these things I'm talking about. Most of them are completely free. Uh, And we were talking about the power of prayer and how we pray. And that has to be partnered with supplication. So prayer and supplication, presenting your request to the Lord. And I thought that God was so, so powerful and so simple and yet so forgotten. It's so forgotten. The last part I'll leave you guys with today. My juice is running out over here. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. Hmm, this is Jesus talking. No one can take my life from me. No Pharisee, no Sadducee, no political system, no, no cross, no people who are just ranting alongside others, no thieves, no robbers can take your life. I sacrifice it voluntarily, just as the good shepherd would, just as David did for his flock. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, And also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. People were divided after he said all of these things. Are people being divided? People in your family? People in your community? Are they being divided based on truth that you're sharing? Or are you divided? Are you sharing truth one day and walking out something different another day? This would be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so we have to raise our hand to how we're operating, how we're activating, how we're speaking or not speaking on a consistent basis. Because otherwise we go astray. And in that leading, we might turn others astray as well. And we're responsible. We're responsible for who follows. Every single day, we're responsible. So I encourage you, as David was to his army, who he protected time and time again, because of his pleading with the Lord, because he was not the commander, he let God be the commander, he let God be the CEO, and he just followed in action and step to where he guided him. 
There was never a moment in time other than when he decided to take the reins on his own, which we know about his uh, affair and experience thereafter. But as he stayed committed to Christ, that's when he gave him his kingship. He was the least of these out in a field, a little shepherd boy. Now he's warring against a huge army before he can take his throne. And the king's own son, the best friend, the companion, still, as his father is coming to fight for him, comes and renews their solemn oath, the pact that they made that we talked about last, last time on Pedal and Preach. They renewed it and they said, my father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. What I love about that statement is that his dad knows that he has chosen a side and his dad has yet to kill his son. He could easily just kill him, but he stands for truth and righteousness and he battles against his own father for what he stands for. And he stands for David who is a shepherd, who is a representation of the good shepherd in so many different ways that he shows up. This is truth. This is the gospel. This is what we get to lay our heads to sleep on every single day. So be aware of those jumping over the gate versus those who are coming in through the gate. Will you be like David? Because ultimately those people like David some of them weren't coming through the gate. They were coming because they were in trouble, in debt, or discontented. Yet David was the gate at that point. He was the gate to Christ. I want to be a good gate. <laughs> I want to be a healthy gate. And one thing shepherds did back in the day for their sheep from a protection standpoint, they would actually lay down. They would sleep in front of the gate. There was always only one gate to where all the sheep were. They would sleep there so that... They wouldn't let any wolves, lions, bears out, in, in, out, I guess not out, in. And so they laid down their life as Christ laid down his life for you so that you could sleep soundly, so that you could have what he promised, a rich and satisfying life. That's what he wants for you. That's what he desires for you. That's what your shepherd wants. So are you attuned to him? Are you paying attention to his voice? Have you in the past been broken and at his neckline as a small sheep is when their legs are broken because they've gone astray? I don't know where I'm finding you, but I want to hear your testimony. I'm so excited to just connect with people. I see Kristen on here. What's up? I see Lauren. Marcus, I was just talking about you. Your ears must have been ringing. Yes, a healthy gate, Heather. Yeah. Yeah, because you think about some gates are so dilapidated, right? And anything can sneak through. That would be a lukewarm gate. <laughs> if you know the reference to the Bible, that would be a lukewarm scenario. Basically, you have not tended to your gate. And that's what time with the Lord does. We're constantly, I'm constantly building, shaping, creating bolts, right? Like, oh, you ain't coming in here. I learned that tactic. I learned that thing, right? It's like the door that has all the chains on it, you know, all the different locks. That's good, Heather. That's good. 
I want to be a healthy, strong gate as well. But I also want to be able to freely bring people in who are in that state of desperation. And I've realized the more and more that I'm in the word, the more that like David, I don't have to, I don't have to put Jesus in people's face. Like you can't come in my door until you can't come into my gate until, but more so like come rest with me, come find solitude here in my home, come find friendship next to, to me, come time, find protection next to me. Cause it's not about me. It's about God. And the more that we allow him to be known by our actions, they're going to see your family praying at the table. They're going to see the worship or hear the worship music that you have going on. They're going to see the overflow of a life that is satisfying. But if you don't allow people to walk life with you, now, mind you, there are boundaries to said life. Just as Jesus had disciples and inner court and outer court, just as the holy temple was created and inner court and outer court. Again, order in heaven. Order in kingdom culture here on earth. We have to pay attention to these things. This is why when we talk, when Jim Rohn from a business mindset who is not in his face says we are the sum of the five people we're around, truth, truth. And so you have to understand that it goes layer by layer by layer, but that's how a herd is created. That's how an army is developed. Yesterday we were on our founder collective call all these links will be below when you're listening in the podcast, but y'all are live and hanging out, so you don't get all that stuff right now. Thanks for hanging out. Um, we were talking about how we are not developing a business. We are not developing a uh, even really a community. We're developing an army, and an army like David is going to take force, is going to take territory of the enemy. And if we're not equipping the people that are coming alongside us to be strong, then they're not going to be able to endure. A part of being in the kingdom is having stamina. It's one of the reasons I do this specific thing for people is I encourage you to operate in stamina. And that stride stamina is connected to pace, which is connected to the pacemaker who is Christ, right? He is the pacemaker of your life. There will be seasons where you are going at a supernatural speed. There will be seasons where he's calling you into rest. But we are not here to make sales. As my friend Chris Rickstrew says, we are here to save souls. So anything that you do, no matter the business that you run, the household that you create, the field trips that you take your kids on, we're here to save souls. And so I hope that that inspires you. I hope that encourages you. I hope that you plead before the Lord something really specific today and not for a sign, but for an actual answer. You know, a lot of people question, how do I hear from God? How do you hear from God? It's different for everyone. And so I won't be the person to say, this is how you hear from God. But if I pull all the information and the resources from people who I've asked this question to, the variation is beautiful. Just as the good shepherd speaks the name to the sheep in only the unique way that that sheep can understand him. That name is like a cadence of words that comes out. God has a cadence specifically for you. He wants to speak to you. But you have to be eager to not take action. This is hard for us action takers. You movers, you shakers, you trailblazers. I don't want to blaze a trail 
that Christ is not before me. I don't want to blaze a trail that he hasn't gifted to me as territory to take. And that's what David is asking. So you can hear through audible, you can hear through the scripture, which is why it's so important to read. You'll be like illuminated, a new concept for you. You can hear through worship music sometimes. You can hear through your children. You can hear through a stranger. You can hear through a sign or a wonder. You can hear through a healing. You can hear through, gosh, one of my friends, Adam Flores, who's my partner in our mastermind, uh, we, he hears as he journals. And so as he journals, he actually like, the Lord is writing him a letter as he journals. And so it's literally like from God, try it. It's pretty wild to see what comes out. Um, but yeah, you could do it through writing or singing. And there's so many ways. I imagine that when David played the harp for Saul before he became his enemy, and even after, actually, there was a little stint where he still was playing, even though Saul had pitted himself against David. It's wild, like what people will do, right? Like, I'm going to do this anyway out of a place of servant leadership, which is who David was, which is who our, our shepherd is. He would play that harp. And I imagine that that was how Saul came into contentment. It was almost like a blanket that came over him in order for him to find peace. What I think is so dynamic and so unique is that as a shepherd, because we don't have to force Jesus down people's throat, Jesus didn't force himself down people's throat. He just was a storyteller. And so if we are become better storytellers through the, the power of our own testimony and by the way that our life is a story every single day, how we show up, we are going to coax people in to a serenity that they'll never have experienced previously. One of my favorite uh, compliments, if you will, or affirmations or just revelations that uh, someone has had when they came into my home. It was a photographer who um, I believe loves God and, and, and all of that, but I don't know that she walks in tandem with Jesus. She was just mentioning, gosh, your home has a a wild peace. Like I've never been in a home that has peace like this. Mind you, my kiddos at the time were super young. We're swinging on bars outside. We're making blenders, smoothies in the morning. She's taking, like we have a fire outside. There is a peace because it's the way in which we pace ourselves with the Lord. Not in a hurry, though I can find myself in that space, um, but in rhythm. And that's what rhythms are grace are all about. And that's what he promises he says, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give you, Samantha, a rich and satisfying life. Put your name in the places of scripture that God is speaking about his children because you are his child. Okay, I'm going to pray us out. I hope you guys enjoyed today. Ultimately understanding that we are responsible for our gate and uh, we get to be ultimately go to the gate, the narrow gate, and everything that we do here on earth is going to be representation of that moment. And I know I, and I know you want to be there and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, rather than uh, go away. I never knew you, right? Those are the two things that we hear that are said about entering the gate. Go away. I never knew you. These are people who followed God, but didn't live a godly life. It's a very big difference. Love you too. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your power and your words that are sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I thank you that your word is so true that even 
as David was in these rocks and foothills and caves, Lord, that you protected him. God, it gives me hope that in the places where I feel like I've gone to hide, that you protect me. God, and yet he never stayed. He always reactivated after a season of rest. God, I love that you show us that as we rest, actually more forces will come into that place. More army warriors will come in to be alongside the mission. And so I just pray over the listeners today, I pray that they find their moments of rest, not as as inactivation, Lord, but as a place of invitation. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. An invitation still has purpose. An invitation still meets and greets and moves, even in what can feel like stagnation. God, I pray for the son or the daughter who just wants you to call their name, who is yearning to be brought back to the flock, who doesn't even know that they are lost. Maybe they have had their own wolves and sheep clothing that have led them astray, Lord. I pray for their repentance. I pray for them to change their ways and follow you. I pray that in all of my actions and the way that I show up, God, that they don't see me, they don't even remember my name, they just remember yours. God, that we are a gate and we're a representative of you as the ultimate gate. And so can we steward that gate well? Can you create in me a new strength, God? A new strength and a new ability to draw people in. Do something new. It's a new season, Lord. We're stepping into a new season. We're ready for that space of rich and satisfying life. I pray for those that are hungering for something outside of you, that they could just fast in you and your spirit. Fast in your promises, oh God. Mm. You are sovereign. You are our provider. You are our good, good father. And you are so holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We worship you. We honor you. We adore you. Thank you for calling us by name. Thank you for the season that we sat with our brokenness and you just stewarded us back to health. Thank you, Lord. You never leave us. You never forsake us. We yield to you. We yield to your presence before we take action, before we go into enemy territory. Make yourself known. Make your voice heard today to my brothers and sisters. In your sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for hanging out today. Oh, so good. At first I saw Rooted in Him Mama. I, I at first, and probably because I'm thinking about food um, a little bit, is rooted in manna is what I thought it said. And I was like, come on, let's go. But I love rooted in him, mama. That's so good. All right, y'all. Blessings. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. And join me next Tuesday and Thursday, 6 a.m. Eastern, uh, where I dive into the word and give some business knowledge along the way some leadership knowledge along the way, and ultimately just encourage you guys um, to seek him for yourself. I hope this blesses you and we'll chat soon. Bye. Where are all my authors out or my wannabe authors, my wannabe best-selling authors, in fact? This can be you. 
And it doesn't have to look like my journey, which was a three-year writing journey and a multi-year understanding and unpacking the publishing industry and agents and Amazon and all the things that go into being an author that people don't think about. They just want to write the book, which I get. I, I want you to just write the book. But I want you to be equipped with the resources and the knowledge of what to do next so that the world can receive your message so that the world can learn from you because you are wise, my friend. I am certain of it. And what you have to share is rich, whether it's devotional, whether it's a children's book, whether it's a novel, whether it's a memoir, regardless of the genre, I want to equip you with the how-to and help you to stay accountable and execute. How do I do that? Well, besides having our publishing company, Fit Press, and giving you the resources to distribute it, not just on Amazon, but to the world in book format at bookstores. Yes, I love things that I can hold in person. Also, it's through a book writing retreat. It's to get you going. It's to get you in flow. It's to teach you the rhythm of a writer and to give you specific resources and training on how to keep moving the needle after you leave this two and a half day dynamic experience. It's a space that is open and vulnerable. It's a space where you have time to actually sit and write. You will get spoiled in the process because I think authors need just the right environment of relaxation and energy connected to that. So if you're interested in being a part of the book writing journey with us as a Fit Press company, we'd love to have you come. You can check it out on the website. But all of the details are there. It does not include flights, um, but it could include accommodations if it's something that you want to stay with us rather than staying in the comfort of your own space. I get it either way. Totally fine. But let's have a conversation. You can book a call on our site and our team will have a direct conversation about where you are in your writer's journey as well as where you want to be. The cool thing about our publishing house is that it doesn't take as long as most, and we can give you all the reasons why that is, uh, but ultimately, I want you to have access to the rules, the regulations, the rhythms, and the outcome factor, which is you being that best-selling author that you really want to be, and I know it's with good intent and in humility that you want to have this experience and this exposure. So. No, no judgment here. I'm a three-time best-selling author and I love it. I want to say five. I want to say 10. I want to say like John Maxwell. I want to say I'm 80K or 80, 80 books and counting, right? Whatever it be, we want you to be heard and read. Well read. All right. So let's do this. Bye. Let's get to writing. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.